Have you ever walked away from a conversation and thought, wow, I really needed that? What you're about to hear was just that for me. And I know it's going to help unravel a few of those mysteries that life tosses at us. Hi there. I'm Cindy Coaches, the host of Pen to Paper Press podcast. It is so important to me that I inform you in advance when emotionally sensitive topics are brought up in conversation. I do this as a courtesy and so not to trigger those whose heart is aching and tender. Gary Fay and I had a powerful conversation and one I needed to participate in order to spark a shift and motivate a clear direction in my own professional journey. Gary is a mental strength and conditioning coach and has transformed his experiences into the foundation of his coaching. Suicide, depression, gambling addiction did come up in this episode. As he says, lived it, learned it, earned it. If this is the only part of the episode you listen to, I'd like to share with you something Gary said after we concluded the podcast. Here it is. You know, a lot of people would like to have a book out, but the same with they'd like to lose 10 kilos. There's a process to getting there. And I don't know that, you know, we all want to have the book out, but we don't want to sit down and write for 30 minutes a day. Yeah. Uh, you know, we don't, you know, we, we try and find excuses why I don't want to write today. Today's work is not going to be that good. I'll wait till I get this burst of creativity or, you know, and, and again, if you want to write a book, I probably should have said this in the, in the podcast or feel free to cut it and, and chuck it in there. But, you know, if you want to write a book, if you want to be an author, then you have to do something every day that that person would do. And that might be writing. You know, like if, if you can't just say, I want to write a book, you actually have to write the book, right? The, yes. the, the, book is, the book is recognition of your success. Your success was the writing. It's not the book. It, it, your success was actually showing up every day, you know? That's um, brilliant. Yes. Yeah, I, I heard um, I heard somebody, it might have been Inky Johnson, Ed Milet on Ed Milet's show, but they were talking about the, the certificate or the, you get a certificate at the end of a university degree. Mm-hmm. Well, the certificate is recognition of the success. It is not the success. The success is actually the work that you did all the way through to get there. And so you don't get a book without writing. And, and so if you want to be an author, um, you have to do things every day that an author would do. And one of those things is write. And now I present to you the conversation Gary and I had in mid-October. Enjoy today's Pen to Paper Press podcast episode. As I say over and over, your words have power. Your story matters. Enjoy. Welcome to this episode of Pen to Paper Press Podcast. I'm Cindy Coaches. I enjoy talking with best-selling authors, writers, editors, publishers, and the creative souls about the process of developing our stories to completing our works of art. Each episode is an opportunity for us to explore mindsets, pearls of wisdom, and the experiences that began our journey as an author from the moment we put pen to paper. Joining me in the Pen to Paper Press podcast studio is Gary Fay. He is a mental strength and conditioning coach, 
highly sought after speaker and best-selling author um, who embodies the mantra, lived it, learned it, earned it. His best-selling book is titled Externally Bulletproof, Internally Brittle, How to Turn Your Struggle into Your Success. Welcome, Gary. It's good to have you here. Thanks very much for having me on, Cindy. I'm uh, very much looking forward to the conversation. <laughs> me too. Your book title is really interesting. It's definitely not sugar-coated. It is not light and fluffy. Clearly, there's a backstory to it. Why was it so important for you to to write this book? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question. I suppose when I started writing, it, it didn't start out as a book. It started out as a cathartic process. Um, I, I have a, a background in, in the Australian Federal Police, and I was, in fact, a, a, a bodyguard, for want of a better term, but close protection officer for our Australian Prime Minister. And so the term bulletproof was, uh, you know, was something that was bandied around a little bit. But I was also in a very alpha male, uh, alpha dominated society. So um, the externally bulletproof, you, you always had to show that you were you were all powerful and had no weaknesses. But, uh, you know, certainly in my case, uh, it was hiding a, a brittleness that was inside. I was I was hiding it from myself. And when the walls came crumbling down, I found that um, starting to write was actually a, a way that I could begin to process everything that had been happening, was going on and potentially could uh, happen again in the future. And so it started as a cathartic process. I would write notes, I would write paragraphs, sometimes pages. And as time went on, I, I started to develop the idea that perhaps my um, my story, my, my process, uh, both the the struggles that I faced as well as the pathway out could be of some benefit to others in similar circumstances. And so I thought, uh, you know, that, that uh, my pain had to be worth something. And in the end, it ended up being this book. Interesting. So at what point did you become a coach? Uh, so I've actually, I've been a coach for probably about four or five years. Um, it, it started mostly with health and fitness. Uh, my background's in health science, and then I spent 18 years with the uh, with the Australian Federal Police. But upon leaving the police, I, I started a, a, a gym, a uh, fitness studio, personal training, and I did find that a lot of people I was uh, training for uh, health and fitness also were showing some similar characteristics of what I was struggling with. I, I battled uh, depression, major depressive disorder for a long time, and also a gambling addiction. And uh, what I started to find was that people that were struggling with their health and fitness had similar backstories to the ones that I did. And so I, I actually ended up starting to coach them more from a mental strength and conditioning point of view than a physical strength and conditioning. Uh, and then it, uh, it, it, it uh, built on from there. Interesting. And you bring up something that is so important and and it's so easily overlooked is the fact that our physical health coincides with our mental health. One balances the other, the other, you know, um, accents the, you know, the opposite side. So, you know, I, I, I love your mantra, lived it, uh, lived it, earned it. Um, or excuse me, lived it, learned it, uh, earned it. Earned it. Yeah, I'm curious. Where where did this come from? What you know? What's the backstory to it? 
Yeah, sure. It, it just it just became apparent as I was uh, getting more and more into my coaching world, and you know, I based most of my coaching process around systems that work for me, and it, and that starts with the the brutal, honest assessment of of where you are and 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 what you've been through. Um, and what I started to discover that my coaching style was more around the fact that I had the lived experience. Um, I have lived experience with mental health issues. I've got lived experience with being a high performer in a high stress, um, high profile, high, uh, high performance environment. Um, but I've also got the lived experience of the struggles that, that can come with that. Some of those we mask even from ourselves and certainly from the outside world. So that's where the lived it part uh, comes from. Uh, the learn that once I, once I sort of come to that reckoning that I was in, in a, a lot of personal trouble, uh, that I was struggling uh, internally, I went away and did a whole lot of research, uh, neuroscience, building habits. I followed successful people. I worked with and trained with successful people from around the world. So I went and learned the skills. I went and learned the science behind why I ended up where I did and also the pathways to come out of it. Uh, and then the, the back end, I learned it. I did everything that, uh, almost everything that I coach, I have been through, I've done. I've, I, I, I call it tested on me. I've tested all the systems <laughs> on me over a four or five-year period. And so, you know, it just sort of come together that I've lived the experience early on. I learned the science. Uh, and then I earned uh, my stripes by actually uh, testing all the systems out on me. And, you know, thankfully, if I'm living proof, then uh, the system works, and as it does for a lot of other people I work with. Wonderful. You know, because yours sounds much better than than the saying that I toss out there, you know, it's, you know, been there, done that, rode that pony, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> it might just be a bit of a crafty way to say it. That's, uh, that, that's probably it. Yeah, and, and, you know, the, I, I get a little sassy and add a few other, you know, <laughs> Um, entertaining niblets to it. I just, you know, I'm one of those that the adjective queen. I can describe anything. <laughs> um, That's the beauty of being a writer. We always have words that come to us. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that creative imagination that just. How are you helping through all of this? You know, with your book, your coaching. How are you helping people to understand that you know their story matters? I, I think that um, especially in my space, which is mostly to deal with um, uh, with, with males, with successful males or, or, or men that, that the outside world would determine them to be successful. So, you know, good jobs, good families, um, you know, maybe have um, you know, high profile positions and those sorts of things. There's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of narrative around the struggles that uh, that those men face and. You know, it, it's quite easy for everyone to say, well, how have you got any issues? You've, you've got everything that, that we, you could ever want. But, you know, th there's a lot of us that, that go through that process uh, and still remain unfulfilled. And, and a lot of that does come down to seeking paths that, aren't, uh, that don't align with our, um, you know, with our internal uh, desires or our internal purpose. And so, uh, you know, we, we do see very high numbers of suicides, in particular um, in, in males. You know, three quarters of the suicides are, are, are men. Uh, in Australia, we lose eight people a day to it. And, you know, in a population of, um, you know, only 25 million, it, it, it works out at quite a lot. And so part of my message is, is around getting my story out there to let others 
that might be feeling the same uh, the same things understand that it does happen. Uh, it is okay, and that also that there's a pathway through. And so, um, you know, by going through the process in the book, it's almost in two parts. And one part is the understanding of what it feels like to be successful but struggling. And then the second part is a is is literally a, a process that that you can embark on to you know to start moving forward and, and uh, understanding that you know where you are doesn't have to be where you end up. I like that. That is so true, and it is something that we have to remind ourselves. And and having that support team uh, behind us, you know, not we don't need cheerleaders. We need somebody who gets us and and you know just kind of gives us that that lift when we need it. And I'm I guess I didn't realize that in Australia that suicide was so um, prevalent there, um, and that's that's too bad. You know that it's heartbreaking. It it really is. It's pretty predominant here as well. Um, as you know, I'm I'm uh, in the United States. I'm right now. I'm currently in Michigan, hoping in a month or so I'll be moving south because <laughs> I'm okay. in a camper and I've got wheels. I can go. <laughs> but uh, anyways, um, that is something that is important for people to talk about. There is a very large stigma uh, about suicide uh, for those that are left behind and those that are even contemplating it or have contemplated it. And, um, and it's not that I don't want to go in too far because you don't know my backstory. Sure. Um, four years ago, my oldest son committed suicide. And so... Okay, I'm sorry to hear that. Thank you. And, you know, as the mother of a child who who chose that ultimate decision, made that ultimate decision, um, it was really surprising how some people reacted to it. And, you know, for the most part, most people, the majority of people, if they were to really internally answer the question, have walked to that edge. Mm -hmm. Obviously, they didn't go over that edge because they're still here. But for for many people, they sit right on the edge of that cliff going, hmm, what do I do here? And I'm, I'm grateful for people like you who are out there and talking to men, because like you said, yeah, it seems to be, I mean, I don't know what the statistics are. I don't want to know the statistics. I really don't because it, it's too close to home, but you know, you're right. It, it, when I sitting back and looking, you know, just in, in what I know that it does seem to be more men than women that go through this and and there is that stigma that buck up be a man get over it get on with it you know and it's like it's like y'all are not allowed to talk <laughs> it's like who made up this yeah, rule <laughs> to, to shift i suppose to shift the uh yeah the topic you know slightly to to come away from um you know from where we were 
there's actually, a, a, I suppose, an explainable reason why men uh, in particular will tend to tell their mates to buck up, tend to tell their mate, come on, you'll be okay. You know, in yeah. Australia, we sort of will say, you know, let's just go and have a beer and you'll be fine. You know, we, <laughs> she'll be right, mate, type of stuff. Um, and one of, the, one of the main reasons why men will do this in particular is because we fear our own vulnerability. Most people, if they were able to be brutally honest with themselves, will know that there is an element of their lives that they are not comfortable with. But what our brains miraculously do is put a little bit of a block up and pretend that that part of us doesn't exist. I, I do a talk about dealing with the you that you don't talk about. And, and most of us have this part that we just don't even tell ourselves exists. And what happens when a, a colleague, a friend, a mate will uh, come and speak to us about their vulnerabilities, that they're feeling stuck, that they've got a, a, an issue with drugs or alcohol or they're sad because they've lost their partner or any of those sorts of things. Us men in particular, but a, a lot of people, we fear that our own vulnerability is about to get exposed. Yeah. If I start having a conversation with you about your vulnerability, I am now putting my vulnerability at risk uh, of, of being exposed out there. And I'm not prepared to do that. I, I don't know I'm not prepared to do it, but the way that my subconscious brain reacts to it is by patting you on the back, telling you everything will be okay, and saying, let's go and grab a beer. We just mm -hmm. move on from the subject. And that becomes ingrained in, in the way that we deal with a lot of our struggles. And as I said, I, I think it happens with women less, but it still happens as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, with, with, with females, I deal mostly with, with men, so that's, that's what I talk about a lot. Right. Um, but that's that's the reason why we tend to do that. And then that creates the stigma around, well, I can't say anything because, you know, every, nobody else is having problems because every time I raise a problem, they just tell me it'll be okay. I never hear them talk about their problems. So we then go around in circles and then we try and defeat it in our own mind and often that doesn't end up, um, you know, a, a good place. Yeah, yeah. So how long did it take you to, you said you started writing on scraps of paper and, and paragraphs here and there and stuff. So how long did it actually take you to write your book? Uh, I was, I was at one stage saying it took me four years to write my book in four months. Um, <laughs> it's probably, it's probably fairer to say it took me five years to write it in five months, but Predominantly, I've been writing my book in one way, shape, or form for about five years. Um, I, I, you know, hit a version of my rock bottom at the end of 2016, um, and so it probably started then. Uh, but in reality, uh, that was always the the writing on scraps, the the note taking, the paragraphs, the thoughts. About a year or two later, I started to entertain the idea of putting it together for a book. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, to be honest, the idea of that book changed three or four times over the ensuing two years. And then earlier this year, I I, I finally got uh, comfortable in my head with what I wanted that book to look like. And it probably took me about five months uh, to, to write it, to be honest, um, you know, from, from start to finish. Uh, we had a bit of a, a family uh, uh, issue in the middle, so it, it was a little bit longer than it could have been. But, yeah, it, in the end, it took me five months. But... It really took me five years. <laughs> Look how you heard that. that that's good. <laughs> I think <laughs> most books, uh, yeah, begin that way. 
Um, or at yeah. least a lot of memoirs, you know, or, you know, we pull out the old journals and, and, and so forth and, or even photo albums. And it's like, oh yeah, I remember this. And, you know, yeah, it, that's, that's interesting. Um, I wish, I wish I would have, um, you know, there's a part of me that wish I would have had this book out earlier. Um, but there's also a part on reflection that, uh, the book became a better, uh, a better piece for the purpose of, of what I wrote it for by having a little bit of distance between, you know, those initial thoughts um, and, the, and the publication of the book. Um, earlier versions of the book probably wouldn't have been as productive as, as the one that I, uh, you know, settled on. Um, you know, so, so they're, they're, you know, whilst I would have liked to have had it out a lot earlier, I think in the end it's, it's probably worked out for the best. Well, and, you know, the the first draft is always messy. It's the, <laughs> it's the brain dump. It's the emotional baggage that's attached to it. And each revision, we kind of take some of that emotion, the emotional stuff out. True. You know, the feeling like a victim or, or over-exaggeration or, you know... Some of those things will get on both sides of the spectrum. And so when you started compiling all your information, did you did you create like an outline and like, okay, this is chapter one? Or did you just kind of like put it in a heap and go, okay, this is what I got. All right, this goes over here. This goes over there. And then fill in the gaps. Yeah, once I once I finally got committed to putting it together in a book, I was I was a little bit lucky in the sense that um, my pathway out was fairly well um, documented and known in my own head, uh, and there was whilst in, in in my own life it chopped and changed around, there was actually a lineal path for that. So merely by creating the the steps, I was able to you know to fill in the gaps in, in that part. Um, but I did sit down and, and construct the way I would like the book to, you know, to, to come across. And then, and for me, it, it began as the two separate parts. And, and uh, you know, I, I use some language in it, but it's basically how did I get here and how did I get out? Uh, so they're the, the two acts of the book, I suppose. And then the how did I get here part um, was broken down uh, itself into, uh, you know, the stories of, of what got me, um, what, what, uh, how I ended up being uh, at, at my rock bottom and, and what the process was to there, including the successes that led to that and was, was able to mask um, mask my depression and mask my gambling. Uh, and then, as I said, the second half was was a process and therefore a lot of that was, was already written. But, yeah, once I decided that this was going to be the book, uh, I did sit down, I did outline it, then I had to go back to all the scraps and figure out which scraps fit under which, uh, you know, which heading and which scraps yeah. I actually wanted to use or, or made sense. You know, there were certainly some that I was reading from three or four years ago saying, I don't even know what this means. Um, you know, yeah. so thankfully I didn't use any of those. But, uh, yeah, so I did construct the outline uh, and then start using my notes and then I padded it out as it, as it went on. Interesting. So then... Turning to your book content, um, what are like some of the steps that someone can use to shift from struggle to success? 
So without there's, there's giving probably two. Oh, I was going to say, without <laughs> giving away your book. <laughs> no, 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 that's okay. Look, unfortunately, I could give away the book, and, and the toughest part about the book is actually the doing part. It, it's, you know, it, it, it's why we all end up in trouble. And I, I heard somebody um, say uh, yesterday, actually, I wrote it down, it was a, it was a good quote about, uh, the reason your excuses are the reason you need to take action today and we don't want to take action but we've been coming up with excuses for so long that we actually need to take action and you know that's a difficult part for most people so probably the, the first thing that that always comes up for me is you have to be brutally honest with yourself um i i certainly as somebody who had a gambling addiction i was very adept at telling lies to people in my circle um about that condition but the worst thing is the lies that we tell ourselves or even mask from ourselves so you know i battled depression for 10 years and and most of that was done silently even from myself i pretended to myself that things would get better if i could only get to the next holiday i would be happier when i got my promotion uh, all I needed to do was have a have a good sleep on the weekend and I'd be fine. All of these stories that we keep telling ourselves, sooner or later we have to sit down somewhere, some way to say, you know what, that's not actually true. Uh, once we can determine what is true, we can start to move forward from there. So the first thing is to be brutally honest with yourself. It's not easy. You will lie to yourself the first time you try it. You will You will lie and lie. You have to ask and ask and ask and eventually... You'll find the one that has you curled up in a ball in the corner crying. That's probably as close to the truth as you are going to get. Um, and secondly, what I what I learned in hindsight, to be honest, and it was only a revelation, a revelation I came to um, just as I was starting to write the book. I always believed that I had my what I call come to Jesus moment on um, in the middle of 2018, where I had one moment where I just. Yeah, it all became clear. I was brutally honest with myself. I knew where I was at. I could move forward from there. But in hindsight, what I discovered was nine months earlier, I actually started the process. I was feeling suicidal, but I decided to go to the doctor. I went to a psychiatrist. I went to a psychologist. I went to gambling help meetings. And even though I wasn't uh, getting better to the extent that I would have liked. I was going to gambling meetings, but I was still gambling for not for nearly nine months. And I kept thinking, this is silly. Why am I going to these meetings? Why am I going to the psychologist? It's not working. Eventually, something sank in. That and, and James Clear in his book Atomic Habits talks about casting votes for the person that you want to be. And I talk about signaling. I, I didn't. I didn't learn of it from James Clear until after I'd already done it. But I was sending signals to myself for nine months about the person that I wanted to be. And eventually I believed that story. And that was when the epiphany moment happened in the middle of 2018. So on the back of being brutally honest, I, I'd recommend to anybody to just do something. Do something small. Do something that, um, that the person you want to be would do in their daily life. And that, that could be drinking more water. That could be just starting with not hitting snooze on the alarm clock. Uh, it, can, it can be starting by stretching in the morning, reading one page of a, you know, of a, a book that fascinates you. Um, it doesn't have to be the end goal, um, but do one thing that the person you want to become would do every day. And pretty soon you'll wake up and 
find that you've become that person. Wonderful. Yeah. And you're right. <laughs> Being brutally honest with self. Yeah, we do tend to lie to ourselves, And um, yeah, interesting. This really it, it, just on that point, it's it's probably why people hire me because that's I can do it for you. Uh, that's 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 you know I've learned the process. I've learned what it's like to what lies people tell themselves. Um, I'll be honest, I lose a lot of clients because of it because people aren't prepared to hear the truth. We we all know the truth. We just block it from ourselves, and um, we all do it. Even those of us that are good at being honest with ourselves still do it. It's a, yeah. you know, it is a survival mechanism of, of the brain. Um, it is. And it, it? it's difficult. It is a survival mechanism. Um, nobody wants to be responsible for their own pain. Um, no. And therefore, <laughs> we try and block it as best we can. Yes. Yes. And I was going to ask who would benefit from reading your book. But, you know, I really can't think of anyone that would not benefit from reading your book because it sounds like that truly anybody who is to pick it up is going to find that nugget, that inspiration, that, that, you know, that, uh, that truth, you know, the brutal truth <clears throat> of, Ooh, yeah, maybe I need to look at that or, Ooh, wow. <laughs> There's, there's a concept I talk about in the book called learning from unlikely sources, and, and I'm sure I heard it from somebody else before I picked it up. But what I found along the way was uh, up until I, I started to invest in my own learning, I was always looking for reasons why somebody else's story wouldn't work for me, would not work for me. And so it didn't matter how close to my story it sounded, I could find a reason why that wouldn't work for me. It wasn't until I started to look for learning in uh, learning from unlikely sources and starting to try and find a way how everybody's story could have some element in it that would help me, that I could put my own um, my own story into theirs or, or their story into mine and find the, the the correlation. And I have learned that you know people that struggle with weight don't have many. Um, aren't too dissimilar to people that struggle with drugs or alcohol. People that struggle with depression aren't dissimilar to people that struggle with anxiety. Um, people that people that struggle with um, you know with with feelings of inadequacy don't differ too much from uh, people that are struggling to get ahead in work. Um, and therefore, uh, what what I learned along the way was there are nuggets in just about everything. Mm -hmm. What we have to be is open. To receiving those and being able to put them into our own lives um is my book for everybody yes would everybody get something out of it no but that's probably more determined by the way people read it than the content and that's probably the same for most books to be fair well yeah and it's it's also are they are they ready to make that shift? Are they at that point in their life where they're willing to admit that, ooh, you know, maybe I do need to change, you know? So, because we, you know, like, like you said, it took you nine months, even though yep. you, you were going to the, the, the sessions, you still were doing 
you know, the gambling and stuff. And that's wrong. It yeah. takes something for us to like, oh, oh, weaned. Ooh, there is that pivot and, moment. <laughs> and it's fair to point out that it, it, it wasn't for me just that nine months. It was 10 years before that as well that, yeah. that I, you know, uh, and, and I've said to people, I try and be the coach that I needed 10 years ago. There is a part of me that wonders whether or not I would even go and see me 10 years ago, um, you know, because of this factor that we try and block from ourselves. And that's part of trying to get the message out there as well, that, you know, try and grab people before they get to the depths that, that, that I found. But, um, you know, there's a concept with, with dieting and nutrition that it takes six or seven diets before you find one that works. And in reality, all six or seven of them would have worked. It's the individual that differs. And by the time you've tried six or seven, you've actually got to the point where you're prepared to see one through. And that's what I did over a 10 year period. And, and eventually, you know, I, I just kept at it for, for the nine months and, and beyond. Um, even though it didn't feel like it was working, I just knew that I had to keep going. There was, there was no other option for me at that time. Well, the only other option was unpalatable. And so I just had to keep going. And eventually one day uh, it did click. Yeah. Well, and it's hard to be vulnerable, but yet we all have the struggles and and we all want to be better we you know and yeah. and also having to admit that we did something that wasn't that we're not proud of you know that's i mean i've done that and it's like ooh yeah, yeah. we're gonna walk away from that one yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's exactly right it's it's a place that not many people are prepared to or want to be and yeah, there's good reason for that as well. Yeah, and I love that you're you're taking, you know, quote unquote, the bull by the horns and saying, "Hey, I'm here. Let me help you. I'm I've been there, done that, <laughs> rode that pony." In, this, in your it. case, it's I lived it, I learned it, I earned it. You yeah. know, um, there's something to be said for that, and there that does provide that that trust. Because it's like, holy crap, you know, people look at you and you've, you've got the strength about you. You've got this clear presence of, I'm a survivor. I, I, I know what I'm talking about. And so that helps to build that, that strength and that trust and, and does offer a bit of comfort. Like, oh, you know, I didn't want where I'm at, it's not as bad as what he's done, and he's gotten through this. All right, I'm in, you know. But of there's course, a, you know, the, it, it's um, you know, the, there's a certain level of comfort that comes with going through the process to be, you know, to to accept who you are and where you are. Um, it's painful at the start, but the end yeah. product is far. You know, I, I I hit what society would have told me were probably the heights of my life. Uh, in my late 20s, early 30s. I, I was the boss for our Prime Minister's protection team uh, in the Australian Federal Police. I used to run the Commissioner's Office. I had hit, you know, what, so, what, what social standards were said was the top of my game. And never have I felt as good about myself as I do now after having gone through some struggle, um, but certainly the process to be more comfortable with who I am as a person and that the direction that I'm taking um, is in line with who I want to be as a person. Um, 
And just a, a second thing to that is is something I have learned, and, and certainly people that are listening that have um, loved ones in their lives that you think might be struggling. One thing that I've learned is that being vulnerable gives other people permission to be vulnerable. Yes. And, uh, you know, there's an element of, um, of of me telling my story. I'm not proud of the things that I've done, and I'm, it's certainly not an easy thing to keep telling people that you stuffed up. Um, but when you are able to be vulnerable uh, with people that you love, you find that they're able to be vulnerable with you. There is a trust exchange in being vulnerable and merely opening up allows people to get some of these things off their chest. And, you know, I, I guarantee I don't have any stats to prove it, but I guarantee you that everybody in your life has a struggle that they're not able to admit either to themselves or outwardly. Right. This isn't an Instagram world where everything is perfect. Um, everybody has a struggle. Uh, yes. We just pretend that we don't, and it's when we pretend to ourselves that we get in the biggest trouble. Agreed. Agreed. When we try to stuff it, hide it, and shove it in the back of the closet in yep. hopes that it never, you know, opens that door. Yeah. When it came to, you know, you you started writing the book, you've now got it published, what was was one of the easiest things for for you to do with with compiling this in having a finished product yeah look um it, it I, I think for me i was probably lucky in that a lot of what a lot of my former life i i did a lot of writing uh, especially when i worked in the commissioner's office a lot of brief writing a lot of government writing a lot of straight to the point writing um and and so writing hasn't ever been a difficult for me. Um, I've certainly never written anything this long um, and, and perhaps never written anything this personal. Um, but my editing process didn't take me very long, um, mostly because I was I was quite considered, again, once I sat down to write the book and, and probably one of the benefits of the actual writing being done over a short period of time is that the book made sense from start to finish. Um, okay. I do, I, I do have notes uh, from previous versions where what was in chapter one was also in chapter four and chapter seven because I forgot I wrote it in chapter one and <laughs> you know those sorts of things. Yeah. So, um, sitting down and 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 carving out specific time to get it done in a short period of time, I think minimised my editing time um, because that that process was was done in the you know, in the earlier stages. So um, I, I didn't necessarily find it difficult to, to, to write and then, then get it put out. It was, it, it came easy to me. Um, but I think it came easy because the work was done before I sat down to write. If, if I was still second guessing myself, my own story, um, if I was second guessing the process, uh, if I was second guessing whether or not I was prepared to put it out, I think, the process would have taken a hell of a lot longer and would have been a lot harder. Um, but by the time I sat down to write, it was it was ready to go. And, um, you know, so I'd probably suggest, you know, I, I, I can't remember who said it was, a, it was probably um, Abraham Lincoln or somebody of that nature that said, you know, if, you, if you've got to chop down a tree, you spend 90% of your time sharpening the axe and 10% of it cutting. I, I think that <laughs> that, um, that preparation work, is what makes the entire book writing process a hell of a lot easier. Yeah. 
So for you, was the publishing part, um, you know, getting the book cover and, and the layout and all of that, did that just, did that just seem to flow for you or was there... Uh, so no, I, uh, I, I found somebody to help me with that, um, somebody that had published books previously. Um, and um, it, it wasn't a, I didn't hand my book over and, and, and get them to do it. It was almost a, a hold me by the hand and, you know, show me how to do it. I, I intend on writing more in the future and um, I, I wanted to understand the process. I think that's where my practical brain lies. It was, it's how I did my coaching, you know, my turn my own life around was to understand the processes. So, um, you know, I wanted to understand that process and I, and I got help. I did. Uh, so I had somebody guiding me uh, how to get it edited, where to send it to get edited, how to upload it. You know, it's, it's a self-published book, but how to, how to get it published, how to get it printed, where to do that. Um, you know, what formats to put the book in, how to typeset the book, uh, you know, even things like the fonts and the, the size of the, you know, the, the book and, and, you know, things that I probably wouldn't have considered before. Um, and again, as I got older, and as I get more comfortable with who I am, I'm more prepared to put my hand up and say, can somebody who knows more about this help me? Um, I want to learn. I'm not, I'm not the type of person that just wants to hand it over. Um, so it, it was all quite smooth, to be honest, uh, maybe, a, maybe a month or so um, from the time I finished my final draft um, to having it uploaded and available on Amazon and wherever you can grab it. Um, and, um, yeah, so I, I, I was thankful to have somebody to hold me by the hand uh, and, and go through that process. And um, I've actually just recently been helping somebody else do the same thing. So, um, you know, having learned it, it, it uh, makes things a lot, uh, a lot easier to understand, I think. Isn't it interesting how when you start putting the pieces together, how much there really is behind, like you said, the fonts, the size of the font, you know, the, the typeset, the margins, you know, um, how much space, you know, top to bottom should, should the new chapter start on a new page or, you know, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of those elements that, you know, you don't, when you're writing the book, your mind is not there. And then when it Correct. comes to putting it all together, then you're like, oh, wow, there's a science to this? What do you mean there's a science to this? <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, I mean, I suppose you can put your book out in whatever font you want. You can put it out in whatever size you want. You can put it out in whatever pictures you want, whatever cover you want. But, right. you know, there's a reason why, you know, again, there's no reason for me to reinvent the wheel. There's right. you know, big companies out there that have done all the marketing research about what works better and, Look, I didn't necessarily write my book to sell a million copies. I, I hope I do, but you know, it's it's part of a process for me. And um, but still, you want it to be as successful as it can be. And um, if there's a system that is already established that works, uh, I don't think little old me is about to uh, change that system <laughs> because I decide I want uh, uh, you know Calibri type font instead of Times New Roman or whatever the hell somebody else used. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. I, and to be honest, I never thought that it would matter until you pick up a book that is different to the norm, and then it's, you know, when you if if you don't if you if you pick up a book that's different, that's when you notice um, yes. that it's different. Uh, I don't think anyone would sit at home and, and think, oh, this is the same as the same same book, same same size, same um, margins, same all that sort of stuff, 
until you get one that's not. Um, you know, so again, I, I'd probably recommend if it's your first time following a well-worn path and then after that, um, you know, you, you go down your own path. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> and it really depends on the book type as well. You know, what genre True. you're so in. Yeah. And and the intention of the book, uh, who your audience is. Of course, that all makes uh, a huge, huge difference. Um, and maybe how much printing costs. And yes. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> Yes. Now, if you're 201 pages, it costs you three more dollars than if you're 200 pages. So you just try and cram it in a little bit. Uh, you know. <laughs> no, or expand the margin just a half a hair. <laughs> That's so, right. So you get those extra words to, you know, come out. And then you get a new line on a new page and you have to change the whole thing again. And, uh... Yes. Well, and then then you end up with like 198 or something. <laughs> but, yeah. And then you're like, yeah. oh, wait, how many pages do I have to have? That's right. Exactly. Oh, too funny. Yes, it uh, it does become a science, and I I agree with you when when you do pick up a book that you're expecting to be like the other ones, and it's like in this more interesting font. It's either it's like oh somebody took a risk, and and again it really depends on the genre that yeah. that it feels like. You know, oh, this this should be interesting. They took a risk, or sometimes it's like, oh, honey, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but that's yeah. And, and look, it, it probably it confuses your subconscious mind as well. When things are different, you, your subconscious mind will spend too much time trying to figure out why the font's different and less time <laughs> on the content of the book. So you're better off just taking that, uh, you know, taking that decision away from the brain and. Make it like everybody else's, and make your content special, not the uh, not the style. Yes, yeah. So for many people, marketing marketing is one of those things that it's like, oh, do I really have to do this? How have you been? I mean, I know that you're a public speaker, so marketing is probably a little easier for you because you've got that edge. But has marketing the book been one of those challenges that you've just kind of like, yeah, okay, I got to do this? Or have you been like, oh, hot diggity dog, I'm doing this? No, look, I'm not, I'm not a big marketer, um, even though I do talk uh, a lot. Uh, I'm not big into social media. Um, you know, I spent 20 years of my life trying to avoid the public spotlight, and now I'm trying to get into it, and it feels a bit <laughs> odd. Um, again, I, I, you know, the, at the moment, my, my book's only been out for about three weeks, uh, four weeks. So um, marketing runs have been a little bit um, short. I've just I've been doing things with my contacts at the moment. Um, I am trying to prolong the success of my book, I suppose. Yes. So I'm going to all my uh, all my organic um, connections first. Uh, mm-hmm. When that starts to slow, uh, and, and again, I'm I'm in Australia at the moment, so most of my connections are here. So you know, we're a bestseller down here in, in Australia. But I am working with some people. Again, I don't know how to do it, but some people in the US to try and help promote marketing across, uh, you know, the U.S. market as well, and that will probably kick in as it starts to die down for me over here in, in Australia. Um, so, you know, I, I, I tend to follow, again, the leaders, people that, that know what they're doing and, and pushing it out there. And um, But for me, mostly, it's, you know, I'm, a, I'm an ambassador at a mental health association here, so, you know, I've offered 
discounts to them or, or special special prices for them. I've, um, you know, friends and family, of course. Uh, my friends and family have promoted around their own networks. Um, businesses that I've worked with have promoted around their networks. Um, you know, so a, a lot of my marketing to date has really been me talking to people that, that uh, I've worked with, uh, talking to people that uh, I have connections with uh, that also have bigger networks as well. And, and, you know, I'm grateful that they've been very supportive of, of promoting um, promoting it as well. So it's it's been, you know, successful early on. And as I said, my goal is to try and drag out that success rather than have a huge dump in one go and then nobody ever hears from me again. Um, you know, I, I believe I have a book that can change people's lives and my goal isn't, it's, it's, it's not to sell a million books so I can be rich from book sales, it's to sell a million books so that you know, we can hopefully change a million people's lives. Um, yeah. uh, you know, my it, it's not, you know, my business is not this book. Uh, you know, I'm not an author as a job. Um, you know, I, I'm, in the, I'm in the business of helping people make their lives better and the book is one part of that. So yeah. my goal is to get it out as far as I can uh, and as best as I can. Yes. And um, I was going to say something and it just went away. Publishing or marketing is not a sprint. And a lot of people think that it is, or they approach it as it's a sprint and, and they, they get it out there. They're, you know, they've got this book. It's all new. It's exciting. That honeymoon period, I guess you could call it. And then a period of time down the road, then they, you know, the, the marketing falls off and, and, um, and I'm trying to think of who it was I was speaking with in a podcast. I don't remember it at the moment, but, you know, they shared that marketing is a marathon. It is figuring out, going at a nice pace that is doable mm -hmm for a duration of time and you know not to just put all your cookies in one cookie jar and and you know you know feast on it it's you know about planning it out and and putting yourself out there and your book the topic um your personality you know the whole message you've got for this book uh, wrapped up into this book, excuse me, is there are no boundaries to it. There are no country, you know what I mean? There's no country boundaries. It doesn't just fit for Australians. It doesn't fit for just those in the United States. Yours is global. And the fact that you are, you know, uh, I know that you've been doing a lot of podcasts and, and doing your speeches and, and so forth. And so you're really expanding that on a global, but the, but the main message is global. And so, you know, I could see you having great success with this because you're brutally honest. <laughs> I can tell that right now. You're not going to, if I was to call you up and say, Hey, Gary, you know, I, 
I need a little bit of advice. You're going to be like, oh, honey, Cindy, uh-uh, get that out oh. of your head, and this is what you need to be thinking and doing, and <laughs> you would not be sure uh, I, I, it. <laughs> I, can, I can be sensitive, but you're getting, you're getting the truth. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you could be compassionate, empath, uh, empathic, and compassionate, and and uh, kind about it. You're not going to be like. I've been very fortunate. I've been very fortunate to learn ways of of, uh, of how different people take the truth, and and you know how we can massage it around. But but ultimately, the the truth is the only thing that you know. As the truth will set you free. It's it is it is genuinely that. It's it's the only thing that will and. I don't think I'm doing my job properly if I give you something that's not honest. Yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna fluff it up and say, you know, Cindy, and then spew out a bunch of you know ramblings of of uh, feel good stuff that has no that has no um, like matter behind it yeah there's, there's no there's not nothing tangible what, what's the saying it'd be like putting lipstick on a pig yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> oh alrighty. so we have been talking for quite a while and we probably should be getting to the point where we're wrapping this up what sure. is i i mean we've hit on on various topics and and so forth is there anything that i missed is there something you want to reinforce um the floor is yours or the i should say the mic is yours so uh <laughs> it's, it's you know the, there's a lot of things that have uh, affected the world with with covid but one of the great things is that you know, we're getting a lot more comfortable to deal on, on Zoom and, um, you know, so it doesn't matter where we are in the world, we do get a chance. You know, in, in the past we may not have because of, uh, you know, our, our reluctance to, you know, to connect in such a way. But, um, you know, look, I'm, I'm grateful for being for being on and, and you're right, I, I've been on a few podcasts and um, I, I talk around a place and, you know, my, my main goal is to let everybody know that, you um, you know, struggle is real. Everybody faces struggles. Um, and, you know, if if you are, generally speaking, if something doesn't feel right inside, it's time for you to start exploring. And not only exploring, but starting to take action. And as I mentioned earlier, um, I don't have anything new, um, but just start with one thing and, and, and try and get an idea of the person that you want to become what is one thing, one easy thing that they would do in their life every day and do that. When you're successful at that for a week or two, find the second thing and do that. And it doesn't have to be major. It doesn't have to be posted across Instagram. My, I started by setting my clock uh, 15 minutes early. That's it. The first thing I did, I did it, I did it daily. I, I set my clock for 15 minutes early. So I could build in the time to start a morning routine. But I didn't start a morning routine. I just started getting up early. I didn't hit snooze, but maybe for people, they can not hit snooze, um, you know, drink water, whatever the case may be. But find that one thing that the person you want to become would do in their daily life and do that daily. Yes, agreed. So where can people find you on the Internet? The easiest place is GaryFay.com. It's, uh, it's only new. We've just uh, set it up, but 
Uh, it's my name, G-A-R-Y-F-A-H-E-Y.com. Um, and on there, there's links to my LinkedIn. Um, I, my business is Strong Mend. Um, at the moment, we're rebuilding that page, but all of that stuff can be found at GaryFay.com. Um, but Strong Mend is where we do most of our work through Facebook, Instagram as well. Um, and, and that's basically it. Right. I'm pretty basic. <laughs> Oh, you know, and there's something brilliant in that as well. Just being and life's a lot simpler. And, what's that? Life's a lot simpler. Yes, agreed. And um, yeah, <laughs> thank you, Gary. I am, I am really grateful for this conversation. You have inspired me to take a look at a few things. Uh, on my own and you've interestingly enough have answered a few questions that had been looming in my mind off topic um not centered on this and it's really interesting because the information the answers that we need always come to us when we need it and this podcast, the content is definitely going to help others. There, There's going to be other people who are going to be like, ooh, yeah, I needed to hear that today. So this is a pretty powerful conversation, and I thank you. I appreciate that, Cindy. Thanks for, thank you for having me on. It's it's uh, it, it's always great for me to, to connect. I'll be honest, I love doing podcasts because I learn. Uh, a lot uh, as well through them. Um, I learn about myself, but I learn about other people's stories. And as I said, now that I learn from unlikely sources, there's always something to take away. So I appreciate you having me on and, and, uh, and helping to spread the message. You're welcome. You are very, very welcome. And all the success to you. Uh, that is my wish. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you. And ta-da, that's the end of the podcast. I'll... <laughs> <laughs> I'll end the thing here. And, um, yeah, uh, the, the suicide end, um, that was very difficult, but I always knew it was his choice and it was, and I think that's one of the hardest thing people struggle with is it was their decision. Nobody made them do it. Nobody yeah, I, I, um, somebody else do I do talk about suicide um, a bit and, um, you know, I, I, I talk about it because I got close, I suppose. I, I got, you know, I, others have got closer, um, but I, I got scared myself about the thoughts that, that had been building and it wasn't that it just happened one day. They, you know, the, oh, no, it if I look back on it, the thoughts, yeah, they started building up and building up and I was very fortunate that I was seeing a psychologist and, um, we were having a conversation about suicide and what he said to me is something that I share with a lot of people now and that is that we often, when, when the, the topic of suicide comes up, we often um, uh, we, we often try and downplay it, don't think about suicide, you don't want to do that, it's you know, all of those sorts of, you know, oh, you'll be okay, those sorts of conversations. But having a look at the neuroscience, having a look at the brain structures, uh, and understanding the primal parts of the brain. Uh, suicide is a very legitimate option for the brain. The, the, the brain's 
responsibility is survival. Now, I use that term in the book quite loosely because the brain doesn't have any clue about the future and tomorrow or anything like that. Its version of survival is avoiding pain. It understands that pain equals death and therefore um, that it needs to stop the pain. I also say in the book that um, the brain is not a long-term planner. Right? The, the brain is, is solely, it's it's focused on the pain it is in right now. Yeah. It, and, and look, 9-11 was a classic example of that in, in some way that you saw people that were in the inferno would jump out of the building because the immediate pain of the fire was so intense that jumping, you know, it, it got them away from the fire. And the brain didn't say to itself, but if I jump, I'm going to die. It, it just said, I have to get away from this pain. And so the way away from it was over the, and, you know, if you're running away from the tiger and there was a cliff, the tiger is definite death. The cliff is a more future death. So I will avoid the, the, the instant one and go for the, you know, what's after that. Um, but what happens with, with suicide is we get we get conditioned. Don't think about suicide. Don't. It's a bad option. Don't don't think about it. It's a very legitimate option for our brain to raise. You know, I'm in pain. Whatever that pain is, it's a it's a version of a mental pain, uh, an emotional pain, and the brain's like, I need to stop this pain. Now it's actually right. If I was to commit suicide, that pain would stop. So the brain is actually doing its job. What we don't as individuals ever do is, is say, okay, brain, fantastic. You've come up with a, a viable option. It's not a good one. So let's go and explore some other options. What we tend to do is start saying to ourselves, oh, shit, don't think about suicide. I don't want to think about suicide. Oh, I can't. And now all, now all we're doing is creating one option and one option only. We've never considered other options because our focus is on avoiding the suicide option. Um, so in our head, the only option that keeps coming up is suicide. So that's why you'll hear people that have attempted yeah. to commit suicide say, I have no other option, right? And their brain genuinely believes there's no other option because the only option ever presented is suicide, right? Even though oh they say, don't think about it. Yeah. You know, and, and when I when I would tell you, you know, don't think about the elephant in the room, it's too late. Right? You can't not, it doesn't matter what I tell you not to do. The brain doesn't hear do and don't. It just hears you know, suicide, suicide, suicide. And eventually that becomes the only thought and the only option to stop the pain. Um, and so I try and talk to people more about, you know, I, I say it in a jovial manner, but, um, you know, patting your brain on the back and saying, you know, good job. You, you have come up with a, an option that would work. It's just not a good option right now. So let's go and explore other options. Yeah. And what that does is it, it lets the brain know that, okay, you did well, but we've got to go somewhere else, not get stuck in that cul-de-sac around of, you know, just keep going around and around and around until, you know, that's where you end up. And, you know, I talk a little bit about rational and irrational brain. Um, my personal view, I'm not a psychologist, but, you know, people don't commit suicide with rational thought. Um, I didn't gamble with rational thought. Have you ever tried to... Uh, you got, you know, when you've got a four-year-old and they want ice cream, have you ever tried to negotiate with them when they're irrationally wanting ice cream? Yeah, that's that's how my brain worked when I was gambling. That's how um, 
you know, people's brain works when they are when when they commit suicide. It trying to have a rational conversation with an irrational brain doesn't work. It yeah. just it just it, uh, you know, and a logical conversation with an irrational brain will never work. Um, what I try and do with my coaching is train the rational brain. I call it the primed brain. Try and train the rational brain enough so that when the irrational brain says, hey, let's go and gamble, let's go and drink, let's go and cheat on our partner, you know, let's commit suicide, the rational brain has enough strength in it to say, wait, let's create some space. Is this what we want to do? And then, you know, the, the space between impulse and reaction or, you know. Or um, habit. Is, is, yeah, is, is the place that I work. And habit, you know, habit is just a reduction of that, that gap between um, stimulus and response. If it's a habit, yeah. that gap is very small. Um, if we can open that gap up, you can then, you know, have more conscious, um, make more conscious decisions about what you're doing in life. So you have definitely. Um, I don't know. If, yeah, I was going to say you've definitely lived it or lived it, learned it, and, <laughs> and earned lived it. Lived it, learned I, it, and earned it. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I know I'm going to start saying that to my, myself because I typically say, you know, yeah, you know, bought that yeah. T-shirt or, you know, um, but it's typically, yeah, yep, rode that, bought that pony, rode that pony and put it away, you know, in the barn yeah. <laughs> for another day. You know, I just, I have weird sayings, weird sense of humor, I guess. It entertains me, so I guess it's not weird. Yeah. But uh, anyways, um, yeah, this, and, and truly, um, because I've kind of hit a little bit of a crossroads of, oh, what am I doing with X, Y, Z? And I was thinking about it today and it was just like, I'm very intuitive. Mm -hmm. And I just got that little in interior voice going, It'll, you'll, you'll understand soon. And so listening to this conversation, it's like, Oh yeah, I needed to hear this tonight. Because, <laughs> Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad we could get it done. Um, you know, and it, it does seem to happen that way. You know, when we're open and ready for it. You know, and again, there is science that backs it. There's a part of the brain called the reticular activating system that, once you're ready to receive, you know, you, you fill this part of your brain with, um, with the information, and your brain goes looking for it. Your brain. It's it's the same with negativity. If you always tell yourself negative stories, your brain will go looking for more negative stories and. We just got to train ourselves. It's, it's just not. Uh, it's it's no different than other areas of life. You can you can train it to work for you, um, or you can let it, you know, destroy you by not taking control of it. Well, and that's that's probably the biggest message that we need to be reminded of is that whole uh, concept that. We have a choice. We have mm -hmm. the options. And and like you said, who do you want to become? Yeah. You know, it's it's a choice and it's our choices. And and we have the choice to do something about it and we have the choice to do nothing with it. You know, and I, just I think one of the, the greatest things in life is ninety nine times out of a hundred, the results will tell you exactly what you've been doing. 
If mm. you if you aren't where you want to be, <laughs> the, the chances are you haven't been doing what you should have been doing. And uh, again, I, I say this in the book that the beauty about finally taking ownership for where you are and, and understand, you know, other people have to take responsibility for some things. And there's, there's certainly some circumstances in my life that were not in my control. Right, right, yeah. Once I was able to take responsibility for everything that was in my control and even some things that weren't or, or seemingly weren't, that I could very easily make a reason why they weren't in my control. But if, as soon as I was able to own the fact that where I am now is as a result of all the actions and decisions that I've made up until this point, the great thing about that is painful because I'm responsible for this, right? Uh, but this is when I'm, you know, five years ago when I'm in pain. I'm responsible for this. The great thing about learning that is where I get to next, I am also responsible for. Yeah. Except right now I know that I can make decisions that will get me. Um, and if I keep making the same decisions, I'll stay exactly where I am. And if I am able to be uncomfortable enough to make new decisions, I'll end up in a new place. And uh, that's the choice we get you know, every minute, but certainly every morning when we wake up, um, we get a choice about how we want to show up for today. And it's difficult to make those choices sometimes. I mean, I, yeah. you know, as I said, I, I don't do this. I, I try to do it as religiously as I can to make it as much of a habit as possible, you know, but I'm human as well. You know, I, <laughs> I slip from day to day and from time to time. And, uh, you know, but I think I've built a process that gets me back on track quicker than most. That's that's probably the, the benefit of, of what I've been through. Um, yeah. But yeah, we get the choice. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, uh, Gary. Ah, I, thank you. <laughs> this is yeah, I powerful information and and content shared and you know I I've, I've been trying to with the podcast trying to keep it focused on the writing aspect and because the intent is creative to creative and the backstory is important how why did you write this and and so forth and and i i yeah thank you that's (laughs) right maybe maybe my story can help others write their books maybe maybe it'll give them a chance to reflect and and you know create some space to write well, and, and what I find is so interesting, and and that's why I ask, um, what was what was easiest and what was more of the challenging because it's different for everybody, and sure. how you put everything together is so different from what I've heard other people share, but because of your background. That's yeah. what that was the the element that a lot of people don't have. They never didn't have to write. This is what yeah. happened today. This is who you know so and so made contact with. Or you know, you had reports that had to be detailed, no fluff, yeah, and and to the point. And yeah, I was very lucky. I struggle with university because university papers often require a lot more fluff than uh, you know they'll ask for five thousand words and i'll answer it in a thousand and then I, See, I don't know what to do with it and i can yeah, fill in I'm, six thousand words <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah my, my wife's like that as well but uh yeah I'm, i always went straight to the point and 
um, yeah, it's it's uh, you know, as I said, I, I I didn't find the writing necessarily difficult. I, um, I I probably found it a little bit constructing it was a bit more difficult because I'd already written a lot of the content, and rewriting it felt to me like it was a waste of time. I'd already written it. Why should I rewrite it? But it, it yeah. ultimately, um, you know, got got done for the right reasons. And um, you know, I think perhaps even. You know, again, if, if people are able to listen to the stories and turn it into something that benefits them, you know, a lot of people would like to have a book out, but the, the same with they'd like to lose 10 kilos. There's a process to getting there. And I don't know that, you know, we all want to have the book out, but we don't want to sit down and write for 30 minutes a day. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, we don't, you know, we, we try and find excuses why I don't want to write today. Today's work is not going to be that good. I'll wait till I get this burst of creativity or, you know, and, and again, if you want to write a book, I probably should have said this in the in the podcast or feel free to cut it and, and chuck it in there. But, you know, if you want to write a book, if you want to be an author, then you have to do something every day that that person would do. And that might be writing. You know, like if, if you can't just say, I want to write a book. You actually have to write the book, right? The, yes. the, the book is... The book is recognition of your success. Your success was the writing. It's not the book. It's, it, your success was actually showing up every day, you know? That's um, brilliant. Yes. Yeah, I, I heard um, I heard somebody, it might have been Inky Johnson, Ed Milet on Ed Milet's show, but they were talking about the, the certificate or the, you get a certificate at the end of a university degree. Mm -hmm. Well, the certificate is recognition of the success. It is not the success. The success is actually the work that you did all the way through to get there. And so you don't get a book without writing. And and so if you want to be an author, um, you have to do things every day that an author would do. And one of those things is write. You know, that is going in. <laughs> that is I'm not going happy with any of it going in. Whatever. I, I, don't, I don't have anything to hide. So anything that you want to put in, you're welcome to put in. You know, I, I'm trying to be, I cut out my, my, you know, my coughing or, or I have a tendency to say, you know, you know, you know, a lot <laughs> or, um, um, you know, <laughs> so <laughs> it's another one. And it's yeah. like, ugh, cut those little, that little word out, <laughs> but I've been trying really hard to, to keep it as as the conversation happened, there's a few things I've had to take out because it's like, whoa, that's a little inappropriate. Doesn't fit in here, and mm -mm, yeah. we're not going there. I, I am a, I, you know, I am a peaceful person, and I truly believe in in being kind to all, and sure. and and so forth. So, but anyways, that's a whole different topic for another day. I don't know what time of the day it is for you. Uh, uh, it's quarter past ten in the morning. Oh, really? Interesting. I got to put my glasses back on. It is eight fourteen here, so it, obviously at night you can tell because everything is yeah. dark. <laughs> so, all right, Carrie, have a good day. Enjoy. Thanks, Cindy. Right. You too. Sleep well. I, I will. Thank you. All Thank right. you for the chat too. Thank you. I appreciate bye -bye. it. Take care. Bye bye. My pleasure. Bye. Before we end our time together, I'd like to say thank you for listening to my lengthy conversation with Gary Fay. To access his website and purchase the book he has written, 
visit pentapaperpress.com backslash podcast and select the show notes for this episode. To receive future episodes in your inbox, subscribe to the newsletter and subscribe on your favorite podcast application. You are invited to share your favorite episodes on social media and with friends who will resonate with the content. The intention of the Pen to Paper Press podcast is to reinforce that our words have power and our stories, they matter. To share this important message, I created several mug designs for you to choose from. These are perfect for enjoying your favorite beverage while listening to this podcast series. You can find the array of the products available at pentapaperpress.com backslash store. Take care and until next time, keep your pen to paper and write your words. They have power and your story, it matters. All right, bye for now.